Hi, and welcome to the Lone Star Play podcast, where we sit, eat, chat, and repeat. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong, and we are coming to you from Austin, Texas. The Lone Star Play podcast is produced by Texas Real Food. Go to texasrealfood.com and you can search your city for local restaurants, stores, butchers, farmers, markets, and more who are using organic, fresh, artisanal, and local sources. It's a fun site that brings all natural options all together. All right. I'm really excited about today's episode. We have Travis from Parker Creek Ranch. He also runs a blog called The Pastoralist, and we are going to discuss with him regenerative agriculture. Yep. Maybe a term you've never heard, but we're going to get into it with them of what that means and uh, what they're doing about it. So take a listen. It's a great episode. You're going to learn a lot about farming and farms and what they're going through right now. And uh, yeah, a lot of good information um, about it. So check out ParkerCreekRanch.com or go to the pastoralist.com, uh, I believe it is, uh, and you can find out uh, more information about Travis and the operation that he's running. Uh, but for now, Take a listen to the episode and enjoy. Well, listen, Travis, thank you so much uh, for joining me, man. I really do appreciate it. I know you got a lot of things going on, so uh, we'll, we'll get to it, man. I'm really interested to talk to you about what you got going on and and really some other things, too, that I think you'll have, uh, you know, some expertise and knowledge out. So I've got to, you know, prepared some questions um, sure. uh, that I'd like to go over with you. So first thing I want to start with is, okay, so the ranch has been in your family since 1846, right? Am I correct, more or less? That's correct. Yeah. So I'm actually going to give you and our listeners some other interesting uh, events during the year of 1846, and we'll get into why <laughs> this is important. So, because uh, I, I just thought this was fascinating. So yeah. actually, so Texas actually became a state in 1846. Um, it was annexed into the United States, becoming the 28th state. Um, and it also, it kicked off the Mexican-American War, right? Because Mexico's like, nah, this is ours. And we're like, nah, this is ours. Um, it was defined so, territory at that point. Yeah, exactly. It was, you know, yeah. fighting. Uh, what, what I also found interesting was there's this 10-year period where this Republic of Texas, right? This 10-year from 1836 to 1846, I they should make a movie about that, like this whole like, you know what I mean? It's just this epic era of Texas. Uh, I wish I could go back to that time. But anyway, so yeah. So this is another thing that's interesting. Um, so the very first officially recognized baseball game was actually played in Hoboken, New Jersey in 1846 as well. No, I'm kidding. Uh -huh. It was played by the Knickerbocker rules. So that's well, I guess because we were, we were behind. We were, <laughs> exactly. I love that. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, yeah, there, there was the very first time that they used these new rules that are still used today. So, for instance, before that, in baseball, you could actually throw the ball at people and get them out. Like dodgeball. I mean, you just hit them. So that was like a main rule that they changed that you had to, like, actually tag them. So yeah. I, thought that, I thought that was funny. Um and another thing, the saxophone was patented uh, by Antoine Joseph Sachs in 1846. How cool is that? Um, also, the U.S. Act of Congress passes establishing the Smithsonian Institution. So that's the world's largest museum and research complex. I just thought that was so, so fascinating. And also, Iowa became a state that year. You know, we, I guess we all love Iowa. I don't know. 
Um, yeah, that's crazy. So anyway, those are the interesting things that happened uh, in the year in 1846, um, which I thought was interesting. And yeah, your so your ranch is as old as Texas, dude. How cool is that? That's yeah. like you know, it's it's interesting because you know when 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 my ancestors came here, you know, so to speak, right? That um, you know, it was a Spanish land grant is the way it was given to them through this guy named Henry Castro. And what he did was he went to this region of, of France at that time called Alsace. Yeah, I know Alsace. And, Great wine from there. And, and at that time, it was actually still part of Germany. <clears throat> oh. And, and so he went there and, and brought all these people to this general area between San Antonio and like uh, De here and, and established Castroville, Hondo, and a bunch of towns right along this corridor. And I mean, the railroad wasn't even here yet, right? Like, if, yeah. I mean, this was still like the Wild West at that time. Totally. Um, the wild. Even my great grandfather, even my great grandfather, um, remembers seeing like Native Americans dressed dressed in traditional garb in like the 1890s and early 19. 19- tens you know wow so so just to show you like those guys were playing baseball in new jersey and they were still in the indian wars over here i mean really totally totally and and and, you know they're i I highly doubt they were playing baseball that's for damn sure Uh, (laughs) yeah Uh, i doubt it yeah with arrows yeah you know they were probably just pretty much focused on subsistence survival and trying to build a economic future for this region you know and and that and, and it was built on cattle i mean uh, we have some old contracts from i think one of them that we have is from like 1892 and it's with this gentleman and uh, it's with this gentleman near san marcus and this guy in san marcus was driving cattle all the way to the railroad in kansas and part of the contract agreement with my family was that my family would deliver 600 head of steers to San Marcos for the drive. And and what do you think they paid for a, a 500 pound steer in like 1890s? Oh huh? gosh, I have no idea. I'm so curious. Like a, a dollar. 14 bucks. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, no, that, but you say that's it. You know what you could buy with fourteen dollars back then? Was you know that, I guess yeah, I guess you're right. Of, you know how much an acre of land was? No, an acre of land was like forty cents. You're kidding me. Yeah, no, holy cow! So, so one steer. Yeah, you could buy a whole spread. Yeah, damn, that's crazy. So six hundred of them. Jesus. Isn't it, isn't it fascinating, though, how the economics have changed with all that stuff? It really puts things into perspective when you think about, like, you know, how land values have changed in our nation throughout the past, you know, 175 years and, um, you know, since Texas became a, a state, basically, and, uh, you know, and, and how that, you know, plays into agriculture, you know, is, is the reason I bring it up. I think about that a lot. I'm like, God. If, if they only had the foresight to think that they should have bought as much land as they could. Totally. <laughs> but they didn't think that way. You know, most people didn't. It was just they bought what they needed and they didn't buy more than that. You know, it was not, there was no, there wasn't a lot of thinking. I guess there wasn't a lot of greedy thinking, you know. Yeah. You know, I need to buy myself as big a spread as I can possibly get, you know. 
I feel so, we need to get back to that, though, right? You know, well, you know, I taking I, only what we need, right? It, you would hope, you know. I guess yeah. you would hope. I'm, yeah. I'm a little bit more cynical than you, though. I guess. <laughs> I, I you know, I, 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 I have my moments. I don't have that much faith in humanity. <laughs> <laughs> I have my moments, man. Trust. I mean, look, after working in the restaurant industry for such a long time and seeing, uh, you know, seeing just people. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I, I trust me. I get it. Um, you, you don't want to have faith in humanity because you know you've seen humanity. It's like, oh yeah, they're assholes. Uh, <laughs> so look, um, this is something I want to talk to you about um, because this is obviously definitely something that's going to be that's super uh, you know important to you and and really I wanted to to become important to me. But to be honest with you, didn't really know too too much about it. So I'm excited to talk to you about it. Regenerative agriculture. So it's something you discuss on your blog, The Pastoralist, uh, along with other subjects centered around farming. But first, just kind of tell us what that is and why do we want it? So, you know, what, what is regenerative agriculture is like the million dollar question, right? And it, I, and I don't know. You tell me. Well, it, it sort of is. And the reason I say that is because there's no like, there's no consensual definition to it yet. Okay which is a good thing, right? Like corporations and governments haven't wrapped their dirty little fingers around. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, totally. And and those of us kind of on this fringe, you know, agriculture movement that have been here for a decade or more, you know, we've always tried to use words and phrases that corporations and governments haven't got a hold of yet. Right. And, and that way it it differentiates us. Right. And and it, you know what I'm saying? That we're not, we're not organic because that doesn't mean anything anymore. And, yeah. and then the next word, you know, because I remember us 10 years ago, we were like, oh, well, we're organic or sustainable. Yeah. <laughs> right? and, and that to us meant the same as it does now as the word regenerative agriculture, right? Got it. But the great thing is regenerative agriculture is like this really well redefined term for what we do. In fact, it defines us probably better than any term that we've all used in the past 10 years, like alternative or sustainable, right? Or, or beyond organic, you know, all those terms that we've all used in this, in this sort of fringe agriculture movement that's been going on for a long time now. And so regenerative, though, in a nutshell, you know, on, on a personal level, and I think there's quite a few people who would sort of agree with this definition, though, is sort of this holistic approach to agriculture where you know it starts with the health of the soil and and you know of course then it goes to the health of the animals right and then and then getting that to the greater community and then that community creates this economic structure around it right well regenerative agriculture kind of encompasses everything in that spectrum and and the, the goal is though is to regenerate not just the landscapes that we're on here uh, producing these animals, you know, and what I mean by regenerating is rebuilding that soil and making it healthy where the microbial life is healthy and the, and the minerals and the nutrients are cycling properly and the energy cycling via animals, right? Like we're taking all that equation and we're making healthy soil that provides, you know, clean water for all of us, clean air, right? For even you and, and, yeah. and in the city, you know, yeah, and, and, and then we're, you know, producing this really great nutritious product to feed people. And we're not just feeding them, 
a bunch of shit, right? We're feeding them like this really nutrient dense, healthy food. And they're, they're paying us money, you know, this economic transaction to, to make that happen. Right. And then, and then both of us are, you know, building this community structure around that. And, and a lot of us tend to market our products in alternative ways. We don't go through middlemen. Okay. So the, the most dollars are coming back to us as producers and which means guess what, which means I can grow my operation and I can share it with other people who want to be in the farming movement as well. And, you know, so it's like this continuous, you know, a regenerative cycle that, that we're, that we're building upon um, from the soil all the way up to, you know, the greater uh, community. So that, that's yeah. kind of, I know that's a really long definition. No, not at all. Uh, but that's sort of how I see it. Well, it's a complicated issue, right? I it, mean, it, there's, there's absolutely. all kinds of, like you, like, like you, like you began, there's all kinds of these halo terms, I call them like these health halo terms that, companies yeah. and people like to use like you said organic all natural right things that pop on packaging and have lost their meaning i mean we talk about all this you know on the podcast a lot that those words have lost meaning i mean they don't yeah. they don't mean anything anymore just because once you learn what it takes to get those terms added to your product you're like okay so anybody this i can't trust the word anymore which is sad to be honest with you that it got taken over and it oh, and it's yeah. misleading right it's misleading to people well, that's a whole podcast on that. Very it story. really is. Honestly, it's a documentary. Somebody should make a documentary yeah. about that, about deconstructing I think Joel, organic. I think Joel, just wrote a, Joel Solatine just wrote a book on that subject. I forget what it's called, but they, he just published it with, uh, co-authored it with somebody else. You know, Good. so like, That needs to know, get out. So, something to think about, you know, is like, and, and just to sort of like explain the differentiation, right? Like agriculture for the past, I would say 50 plus years, Okay has been looked at in like this linear equation. And, and you could look at healthcare and all the things that we do in economics the same way. But it's this linear equation, right? Like, okay, I'm gonna go plow the field. I'm gonna go plant the seed. And then when the, when the pests come to eat my 100 acres of corn, I'm gonna spray the shit out of it, right? And then we're gonna harvest it. And we're gonna turn it into ethanol or, or feed for animals. And then, you know, pass that on. And then, and then eventually it's going to end up at the grocery store and nothing ever comes back because, oh, by the way, that corn probably traveled like 2000 miles to some feedlot or, or ethanol plant. And then it goes <laughs> like, you know, shit, the ethanol goes to like Saudi Arabia or something, right? Or Europe. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh, you know, so there, there's this like linear process to it that doesn't cycle back around, right? I see what you're saying. And, and, and so... With regenerative agriculture, the idea is like this system, systematized systems thinking approach to it, right? Sure. Where it's like this feedback loop. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, that in yeah. transaction, that in transaction, which is the dollars in my pocket from the consumer, what do I, what do, I do? I put it back into my land right here in this very spot and, and into my employees and into our infrastructure, right? to grow more product for those very same people. Right. Yep. So it's like a systematized approach to it versus this linear thought process. That's, that's degenerative to be honest with you, because there's, there's no thought going into like, okay, well, how do I need to take care of my soil? So it's still viable for a hundred years. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Right? That's so a good that point. whenever my kids get it, they're not in like a, you know, a shit storm because the soil is just toast. Right. Or, yeah. you know, how do I build a business that's, you know, going to be something that they could 
um, where they could find opportunity later on, you know, and, 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 you know, it's too often in this world, we look at everything in this linear process instead of thinking, okay, well, what are, you know, how, what, what's the systematized approach? What's the feedback going to be here? You know, is it positive or is it negative? I mean, honestly, you make, that makes total sense. I never thought about it that way. And that, You know, you're talking about something that will help it last and keep it viable. And like you said, the money goes right back into the economy and not just the economy, the local economy. Right. You're putting it right back into the smaller local economy, which is what I believe in. I believe in very local, you know, food and drinks and right. Everything just comes from the local just because when I lived in Europe, it was like that. And I just remember that sticking with me the most. And that's what I love the is. most. Every still. it is, Yeah, absolutely. Still is. You, yeah. you go to every little town, right? And it's, you're getting what's from there, right? This guy pulls out a bottle of wine. It has no label, just a cork in it. It's like, yep, yeah, we make this right here or whatever. It, the food too, the vegetables were grown over here. The meat, this is from this cow, this pig. And it just stays that way. It's always getting things imported would be weird. In fact, to some of these places like why would we import meat even if it's just 100 miles uh up the road they won't even do it um, you know and a great example of, which i love of, of why the that the regenerative agriculture is is the way to go is let's go back to that linear system of agriculture right the meat production system right now while you and i are talking is broken because it's a linear process you see, when, when you have a linear process, there's no way to turn the ship real easy, right? Because we've, we've done this massive conglomeration. Yeah. And, and look what's happening. We're in a supply chain crunch, right? And, it, and there's literally a breakdown occurring as we're talking. Yeah. And it's been going on for a couple of weeks now. And when, when you focus on that linear process and one thing goes wrong, the whole system falls apart. Yeah. Right. So yeah, that's true. It's a perfect that's true. example. That, of, you're you're of right. Flaws. It's a perfect example of the flaws of that linear thought process. That's a good point because then it affects all of right. It affects everything. Boom! It just spreads. I mean, I hate to use the term, apart. but it's it spreads like a virus, right? I hate to use that yeah. term, but, <laughs> yeah. that, but that's basically it. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know. Um, okay. Yeah. Damn. This is so great talking to you, Travis. Really appreciate all this. Um, this is fantastic. Um, okay. Um, you say on your website for the for the ranch, um, it's parkercreekranch.com, right? That's it. Yeah, that's the that's the, the that's, that's our ranch website where yeah. we market our products through. Yeah. Okay. Um, first of all, real, real quick, um, how big is the ranch? So you know, I mean, more or less. I mean, well, I I'm going to challenge your your paradigm here a little bit. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think of the ranch as the real estate. I think of the ranch as our business. Okay. Um, and, and I think a lot of people will agree with me. If, if you, if you, if you think of the ranch as your real estate, you are going to go broke in this day and age because you cannot buy enough real estate and you can't rent enough either because um, there's not, it's becoming more and more available, the rented land. But like, I'll give you an example where I live here in Texas, in South Texas, I have to compete against deer hunters that, um, no offense saying deer hunters listening to the show, but, um, they're, they're a challenge to deal with when it comes to livestock. Right. Um, what do you mean? Like, in what uh, well, they, they, there's, there's this long thought, uh, there's this long drawn out idea that has been perpetuated that, that livestock and wildlife can't get along. 
right? Which is totally not true under good management. And in fact, the livestock can enhance the landscape if managed properly. But um, so, so to, to just to, to finish your question though, right? Like the, the ranch is our business and that business rents a lot of real estate, a um, couple uh, thousand acres, a couple oh. thousand acres, various properties, right? Wow. Um, you know, Parker Creek Ranch, which is what the business is named after is a home place here. Okay. And, um, it is, it is about 400 plus or minus acres, uh, right there in that ballpark figure. Right. But we lease a whole lot more land. All Tons of, yeah. Yeah. Right. On. We're, we're, we're fairly, look, we're trying to scale up, you know, our yeah. production so that we're financially sustainable for the long term. you know, that seems smart. That seems like a smart business move. I mean, to be honest with you, that that's yeah. There's nothing. And, wrong and with look, it. I can't afford to go out and buy land at four or five thousand dollars an acre. And gosh, totally. where you live, uh, you know, up around Austin, it's way more than that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so you know, I mean, the only option is to rent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah. Um, yeah. you know, that's a big shift though for a lot of people that uh, get into agriculture. They think, oh, well, I have to buy a farm. Well, if you go buy a farm, you're not going to have any money left to actually produce something that's <laughs> like that's in it, right? Yeah, that makes <laughs> yeah, sense. Like, okay, you just spent all your freaking money and you're making this big monthly payment, and uh, now you need to go buy cows, but don't have the money to do it, right? <laughs> cows actually make real money. Yeah, they're they're the actual farm. Yeah, uh, yeah. The only time the real estate makes you money literally is when you sell it. Yeah, that so, makes sense. That makes know. sense. Well, that's a good uh, man. I look at it different. Good, you know? Yeah, yeah. Good answer, man. I like that. I'll, uh, absolutely. Um, okay, damn. Damn this damn. Uh, <laughs> okay, here we go. Um, okay, so. Um, okay, so you say on your website for the ranch, Parker Creek Ranch, that you want everyone to have access to healthy food, uh, which is a sentiment I think anyone should get behind, right? That seems very fairly obvious. Uh, what are some of the obstacles you face trying to do that? Um, man, you know, uh, um, I'm sure it's a lot of things. So we, uh, you know, when I was in, when I was in college about 15 years ago was sort of when I started getting into, to health food, right. And organic. And I would try to buy it as much as I could afford. Right. Sure. And tried to eat healthier, you know, not a whole bunch of fried foods and stuff like that. I was exercising a lot. I've always been sort of an athlete to an extent. I mean, I'm not what I would consider an athlete anymore, but I, I used to be very athletic. And so that's sort of what got me into thinking, you know, about that. And, and I've always, I've always wanted to, you know, somehow figure out how to move back to the farm, but economically speaking, it just wasn't really, um, it wasn't something I could wrap my head around at the, that time when I was like still in, in college. Um, and so I, I went to work in, in India um, on this big project that was funded through the Gates Family Foundation. And that was around like 2008, 2009. And um what what was really the the big thing for me was uh, I and it's it's hard to explain but you know we were over there like working with all this stuff and 
what, what sort of got me on this path was I realized that, that, uh, you know, we were trying to like cure leishmaniasis, right? Like figure out how to solve this really complicated equation on how to protect, you know, billions of people from, uh, a parasitic disease. That's what we were working on. And, um, um, you know, the, the, the bigger thing that I saw there and these other third world countries that I traveled to, and I know third world is like not a politically correct term anymore, but, um, these developing nations, sorry. Ah, please, don't worry. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so, you know, we're over there and we're trying to, like, solve the problems that aren't really problems. <laughs> and, like, I mean, if people can't even get clean water or food or shelter, right? I mean, the least of their worries was getting a freaking parasite. Right. right? I mean, shit, they couldn't even feed themselves on most days. Yeah. I'm talking like a huge percentage of the population in like northeastern India, you know? And so I started to think, I was like, there's got to be like, it, you know, and, and I saw the same thing. It was interesting because growing up here, my family, we grew up like, you know, dirt rich, money poor, right? I mean, my parents, we cooked all of our own meals. Like we, we butchered our own livestock. We hunted and fished and stuff. Right. I mean, we're a very subsistence based type of food. And, but what's interesting is, you know, a lot of people in the rural communities don't grow any food, right? Like, and, and even, you know, and so I started thinking about the food system in general and at, at about that time period when I was in India and I started reading Joel Solatine's books, you know, um, at night when I was in India alone, you know, and, um, it sort of got me on this path to thinking about, you know, coming back to the ranch and starting this new food economy based off our ranch. Cause there was nothing going on in Texas at that time, really. Um, that was pasture based agriculture, right? Yeah. And, and clean food was just sort of this really great byproduct of that idea. Right. And so I moved back in uh, like late 2009, uh, early 2010, maybe somewhere around there and uh, started raising uh, pasture broilers and, and hens here at the ranch. Um, you know, we had our cattle and started doing some better management of the cattle and stuff and producing our own food. And God, what do you know? You produce like this super nutritious, clean meat that like most people at that time had never heard of in Texas. I mean, that yeah. it had been going on for 20 plus years before that on the East coast and West coast, but it was really new to Texas and you know, it was, it's really good meat, you know? And so not only were we being able to feed ourselves, but we were feeding the greater community at that time. And I mean, it was real, I mean, we were scrappy. I mean, we were selling it. We, we would drive up with an ice chest full of processed broilers that we <laughs> processed totally illegally under a mesquite tree here at the ranch, right? <laughs> I love it, yeah. Put, put them in a bag, put them on ice, and we would take them to San Antonio, and they were like pre-sold through this Yahoo group, right? Which nobody even knows what the hell those are anymore. <laughs> that, was all, that was all you had back then, yeah. other than Facebook. And at that time, Facebook was limited to college students. You couldn't even get on Facebook with the general public. And, um, 
we would sell pre-sold broilers through these Yahoo groups and meet people in parking lots in San Antonio and get kicked out of the parking lot for soliciting. And shit that's like hilarious. That. That's I mean, hilarious. it was funny, you know, and I yeah. mean, so that's how we started, you know, with this clean food thing and God, now you talk, you know, now, you know, it's readily available. I, I guess, you know, I guess you could say that. I don't think, I don't think it's readily available, but it's much more common. Right? Sure. What, what are some ways like that you can make it more readily available for people? Like how do, how do you, how, how are we going to connect, you know, people yeah. from the city, right. To getting your stuff. Now you did when we spoke before you said your sales are actually gone up since yeah. all of this has happened. Right. So you're, you're actually doing better. So you're making more sales. Well, people are looking like, well, yeah, what, what's the either, how do you keep that connection, right? Moving forward as yeah, things yeah. open back up, are people going to still keep contacting you? How do you keep that connection? And yeah, like, what yeah. are you going to do there? So, you know, I mean, look, we've, we've evolved over the past decade significantly, right? I mean, the, the availability and how we get that food to the, the greater masses, right? Um, I would say it's definitely becoming more mainstream. Yeah. excuse me, more mainstream to an extent, right? It's not there yet though. I mean, like I think yeah, it's not ago, there yet. Yeah. I think a couple of years ago, you know, the number of people buying organic was like, like it was like 9% bought organic occasionally. Right. Yeah. Uh, 3% of people bought organic exclusively or something like that. Don't quote me on those terms. Exactly. Sure. But I, it was, that's not too far off. Right. That sounds well, right. the, the number of people buying from small farms like me was probably, it's probably minute, still is in, sure. the, in the overall scheme of things, right? We're talking sure. about all the food that's consumed in, in the nation, right? Of course. But I think what's what's interesting is, you know, we, we have all these really great online platforms now to make these transactions happen more efficiently. Um, you know, our website is a good example. I mean, we just use a Squarespace platform that I can manage yeah. myself. Right. Like it's it's really easy to do now. Uh, we have a refrigerated van that, that goes to San Antonio two to three times a week and makes those deliveries, you know, and 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 also, you know, now you have shipping options available where you can ship it across the country if you want to. We don't. That's do awesome. That yeah. Because yeah. I don't need to. I mean, sure. San Antonio fills up my whole market um, capacity. But there are a lot of people who do shipping, you know, you can overnight meet, uh, you know, no more than two nights and you can get it pretty much anywhere in the country. And uh, it's pretty cheap to do. So there, there's a lot of ways to get it now. And, and you know, we can't leave out grocery stores, right? I mean, that is a, 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 a huge uh, part of the equation of how people Absolutely. get Absolutely. That's the best, that, that, in my opinion, that's the best way long term to yeah, really absolutely. make that connection, right? Is is getting people to buy it that way at the grocery store. They absolutely, already, yeah. it's the most convenient exactly. way probably for people to buy product because they can go to one place and get everything they need, right? And, and I get but, it, right? Like, yeah, I yeah, and I get it too. And so, yeah. what we need to do as smaller producers is, you know, in my opinion, most of us probably need to join forces instead of trying to market hundred percent of our products separately. We need to be yes. working together. Uh, co-branding these products to provide uh, the quantity and the consistency needed to get to grocery stores, right? I mean, that's always been the real hindrance to small local agriculture was that quantity 
and consistency yeah. on delivery is inconsistent because right. of the the things that we're vulnerable to, right? Like, I mean, a storm could come and wipe out my flock of broilers, you know, because sure. we're not pasture. And, um, you know, or, or you know, I'll put it like a vegetable gardener could get a hailstorm and he's lost his crop. Well, if we're all working together, right, there's a vegetable farmer 10, where, 10 miles away and another one 20 miles the other way. Well, hopefully one of us doesn't get the freaking hailstorm, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, yeah. And, and you still have that product coming in and those orders being fulfilled in a consistent sure. manner that works with the grocery store model, right? Yeah. Um, I'm working on a big project right now called Wholesome Meats and it's through some investors that uh, want to make some change happen in the regenerative agriculture movement and, and, and down to the consumer level. And, and our focus is with, with that group that I'm working with um, is, is to bring, you know, regenerative beef to the masses, you know, and that's, that's what our primary focus is, is grocery store, you know, getting it on the grocery store shelf, you know, hopefully starting with maybe, a place like HEB or, yeah, or, or exactly. local co-op or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Sure. And, it needs to go so, to, it needs to go to a place like HEB. I mean, co-ops are great and all, but most right, people don't right. go to those places. So it's right. kind of like, like, like we feel like in Austin is awesome. spinning wheels. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's awesome. But there's only two weeks for co-ops, I think. Right. Yeah. How many HEBs are there? There's exactly. Hundreds, exactly. Hundreds. Yes. You know, you've got to get that food in front of those people's faces. And, and, and you, you know, got to make it easy for them. I mean, I hate to say yeah. that, but no, you're right. It's but that's the truth that you've got to meet them there because it, look, people can spout all day long on social media how great they want to be. Right. right. I want to support the farmer, support right. local hashtag. You know, they put a little cowboy hat on sure. and maybe a little piece of hay sticking out the mouth. <laughs> and they're just like, Yay, you know. Uh, but, right. But it's like, <laughs> but the truth is when it, when it, when it actually comes down to pull the trigger, they'll only go so far to get it. Oh, and, no and I, and I hate to say that, but that's the truth. So as farmers and it even sucks, y'all are yeah. actually the ones that have to make the bigger step to get it in front of people because they're lazy and Absolutely. it's just how they are. And there's I get no, it. There's no doubt about that. I mean, look, why do you think our distribution business has grown so rapidly in the past three months? Yeah, COVID helped it out, right? Like, I mean, there's no doubt about it that people were, you know, these stay-at-home orders. People, the media freaked the shit out of everybody. And and basically, you know, it was a perfect scenario for a delivery, a door-to-door yeah. delivery business to really yeah. do well. My okay? God, absolutely. And and so we go from like a measly five to $7,000 sales per month, eating rice and beans practically with that side of the business to like, you know, 40,000. Wow. Yeah. 50,000 a month. Right. Yeah. And, and we had the product to provide it. Thank God. And, and what I saw happening and, and, and look, this is another good thing about small businesses is it's easy to turn the ship. Right? Absolutely. You can pivot so fast, right? There's no like line of red tape to go through. Exactly. Right. It's like the difference between turning the Titanic and then turning your John boat. Right? Yeah. <laughs> turn that John boat on like a night. Great. The Titanic, you yeah. try to turn that sucker at a 90, you're going to like, stink <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and so, and so like with our business, you know, we've, we, we, what we figured out was like, okay, whoa, whoa. Like the demand is so crazy. Right. 
And I'm one of those people who like really believes in, in moments like these, this is the time to shine for like small local agriculture, right? Yes. People are giving us a chance. The spotlight, right? It's on y'all. Yes. The spotlight's on us. People are giving us a chance. They're giving us a second look, right? And they're buying from us that have never bought from us before. And we need to do our absolute best to make sure that we can get them the product, that they're happy with it and show them that we can actually provide, right? That we're not just some little joke. Totally. So, so we, you know, we, we've turned our little distribution business into this, this model where we're conglomerating from other producers and stuff like that, where, because look, I realized really quick, that's awesome. Wow. They're, they're going to outgrow my supply really rapidly. Right. The demand will outgrow my supply, but, but wait a minute, if I mindfully, you know, reach out to other producers that, that, you know, are on the same paradigm as I am with their production practices, you know, and provide those to our community that's buying from us. Um, then we can keep them happy. Yeah. Right. As long as absolutely, gets there, as long as their delivery gets there on time and stuff like that. And it, it's just this baby step problem. You know, most likely my, my theory is these are the little baby steps that are necessary to get to that point where producers learn to work together to co-brand and get it in a grocery store someday. Right. Yeah. And that's how businesses like organic Valley started, you know, and organic Valley is now this massive, massive co-op of producers that provide to grocery stores throughout the United States, you know, and, and that's the same model that, that we all as small producers need to adopt. And, You know, because look, we don't want to have to sell through somebody like Cisco or Tyson. I mean, they, 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 they've got you by the proverbial balls when you work like that, you know? Yeah. I mean, we want to work with the distribution and marketing system that we have some say so in. Maybe, maybe some like farm based distribution company needs to come right, pop up and just like, we only work with farmers own it. The, Why not the that, farmers own it and, that's, we hire, yes, and we hire yes. people to run that business for us? Yes, uh, that's where it should be. I agree with you. Where, where yeah. that dividend at the end of the year, that, that profit that's made is redistributed to the very people that provide yes. it. Yes. You know, it's what I used to hate about when, when I had my food truck here in Austin. We started, I started 2014, and I think it was about 2015, the whole food delivery apps and everything started to hit the scene. And yeah. At first, I was like, oh, this is interesting. We can get our product out to more people. Then when I saw the prices they were charging us, I was like. (laughs) How much they're taking? Yeah, I was like 33%. Exactly. I was like, I'm making all the food I'm creating. Literally, they want me. They don't want you. And you're taking a third of it. I mean, I thought this is going to kill the industry. And sure enough, it's like debilitating to some businesses that percentage that they take. I mean, look, I don't know one business that loves. Yeah, if you're just starting out, that's your profit. How can you give up 30%? You can't. You can't, but you almost have to because your customers start, hey, I'm trying to order and I'm on the app. And, you know, it it becomes like, look, I mean, you you know, restaurants have thin margins, right? Food trucks, restaurants, and food businesses have thin margins. You know, you can't. There's nothing to play around with. Yeah, if you break even, you're happy, right? If you're just like. I got bills paid. Shit, I'm happy. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like that's that's well, success that to me. First ten years of our farming career, too. I mean, absolutely. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's that could be success in a lot of ways. But yeah, that that you know that can't happen to farmers. 
There's just that can't happen. Some company coming in and, you know, just really taking the, you know, the rug out from underneath you guys. Definitely, if y'all could control that system and get it to be, people want it now. I mean, you have you have people's attention, like you said, the spotlights on. People want to order. I think the new hot term is going to be farm box. That's yeah. the term like all my friends here in the city use, right? They're, did you get that farm box? Did you order that farm box from that place? Did you get that farm box? Like, and people are excited to get it. And I think what's great about the farm box is that this can be part of the solution long term is that it, uh, you know, beats into people's head that, okay, I'm going to get this farm box, but it's going to be different sometimes based on the vegetables that they're growing. I, that's where I think we need to change people's mindset of, I need a tomato year round. I need a cucumber year round. You know, I need a strawberry year round. Like we need to break that from people and get like hatch chili, right? We know that there's a hatch chili season. Like as simple as that is, that's how people, I think the farm box is helping a lot of ways that way. It's like, okay, cool. These are the vegetables I'm getting this week. Let me see what I can make with it. You know, instead of just constantly getting the same thing. I don't know. To me, that just seems part of the long-term solution. There's no doubt that a certain level of it is consumer consciousness, right? Yes. But um, look, I think we're all smart enough and creative enough to figure out ways to hedge those things as much as possible, right? Sure. Without the, 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 the problem that we get into is when, when people demand something like um, a tomato year round, right? Um, which is not a great example. It's not but, a good example. Strawberry, but, you know, there you go. Okay, you know, that a strawberry is an even better example, really, because, um, you know, what you do, though, is the problem with that is the producer, the demand is there, right? The producer is just producing what is demanded Absolutely. at the marketplace. Yep. That's how they make their living, right? So you can't blame them directly. Um, and But what, what tends to happen is, is when we get that kind of demand is that some basic principles begin to break down, you know, and, and it gets a little out of sync. In fact, it gets totally out of sync with what Mother Nature wants, right? And, and if, we, if we haven't learned anything yet on this planet, um, it, we have not learned to literally work with nature very well. In yeah. My opinion. Yeah. Um, you know, and regenerative agriculture does that very well. I mean, it's basically a, an agricultural system defined by nature. Right. Um, and, and that mimics it almost precisely. Um, and, and when you start growing a strawberry in a hydroponic greenhouse, that is not natural. It's supposed to grow in soil <laughs> yeah. and it's not supposed to be fed synthetic nutrients or fish poop. I mean, like, I mean, yeah. And, and look, I'm not knocking the people that are doing that. Right. Because they're doing what the market demands. Sure. Right? I get it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. But the consumer better wake up and realize that there are consequences for those things. You sacrifice quality to get that demand, you know, hundred percent. Absolutely. Are you, you, you sacrifice, you know, the seasonality of something, I mean, you know, and, yeah. and, and it's going to have other consequences, you know, whether that's pollution or, you know, the degradation of soil or what have you. you know? It's mean, such a horrible circle, right? That everybody's in. It's like, they keep producing yeah, it. Absolutely. People keep buying it because it's on the show, right? When I show up, there's the strawberries. I might as well get them. It's kind of a, 
it's it's really hard to stop that in a lot of ways it, because it's a, well, right? it's, it's a very complicated subject you know it really is it, and it can get really touchy too you know i mean you can get people pretty hot about it because you know they feel like they're being attacked because they decided to grow hydroponic but uh you know uh, strawberries because there's a big ass demand for it you know sure. well you know so it, it's a, that's a really hot button subject yeah I, I, you know, look, everyone's got to, you know, try to make a living and feed their family and take care of themselves. I get it. Right. I'll, I'll never put anybody down for doing anything like that. Right. Like, I mean, look, I buy, uh, you know, I'm not perfect. I don't buy everything I buy isn't all natural, organic, whatever, you know, like I buy just, I buy what fits my price range. Right. That's another, actually another question I have for you. What yeah. do you say to, what do you say to that person? That's like, I can't afford to buy all this sort of stuff. Like what, what am I going to do? How do we meet those people? Because honestly, that's the majority of America, right? The majority of America is not rich and loaded and even has the luxury to think organic, all natural, sustainable, regenerative agriculture, whatever term we're going to use. Like they don't even have the time to even think about that stuff. Like how do we meet them? How do we get them? So, you know, that, that's another, another very complicated subject as well. Um, that I think about a lot though, because, because we do get, uh, the occasional, uh, customer that gets pissed off about prices and they make snarky, ugly comments to us that we're stealing from people and things like that. Really? What oh, yeah. The, oh, yeah. I mean, I could understand complaining like, damn, this is um, expensive, but not like you're stealing. Yeah. And so, and so, you know, for, for number one, what I tell people, I, oh, the, the way that I usually start these conversations is I say, look, this is the real cost of what this takes to produce it, to market it and get it here, wherever I may be, right. Or wherever that consumer may be yeah. with a small amount of profit on it to, you know, I'm not paying myself an exorbitant, you know, CEO salary. I was just going to say, are you get, are you getting $3 million bonuses a year, Travis? Yeah. Um, I, I have never paid myself and, and there's probably some other farmers out there who will knock me for not paying myself better, but I've, I've never paid my own salary more than 30,000 a year. Um, uh, I have a guy, several guys that work for me right now that, that are pulling 40 hours a week that'll make more money than I do this year. Wow. Um, from the farm, right? Yeah. I have other sources of income, though. Sure, have, of course. I have, you know, uh, my consulting business and, and other, the Wholesome Meats Project and other things that I'm doing, right? So it's not like 40 hours in my week is totally uh, dedicated to the farm, even though I do work more than 40 hours a week on the farm. Um, a lot of it is sort of personal stuff, though, you know, like, uh, but so... You know, so number one, it's it's a real cost of this food, okay, yeah. when it gets to their doorstep. And, and you know, it's not subsidized. We, we've never taken any government subsidies for our product um, or, or our production. So, you know, like Equip program, we've never used it to build a fence. I mean, none of that, right? So, um, you know, it's... Um, it's the real cost of the food. And if you can't afford it, then for number one, as a consumer, we probably need to be thinking about what we're spending our money on. Okay. Um, 
how the the taxes that we pay um, have long-term consequences within our food system. Um, and, and perhaps there are a lot of uh, subsidies that could be gotten rid of and, you know, lower our tax bill. Um, you know, so, so just because uh, a dozen eggs costs, you know, $2 and 50 cents at the grocery store, that doesn't mean that's the, doesn't mean that's the real price of that dozen eggs, right? Like it's been subsidized somewhere along the lines, like the feed that those hens are getting. Sure. Yeah. Okay, so the, the actual real price is more than that. But you know, unfortunately, most people that don't have a lot of money, they don't really think of it that way because they don't pay much taxes, right? Um, they pay some, but it just comes straight out of their paycheck. It's not like they actually write a check for those taxes. At the oh, end. yeah, that's 100%. And that, they're, that they're more conscious of, of how they're being taxed by the government. Um, and then number two thing I, I tell people is, hey, look, it's not for everybody. You know, I mean, it, I, I, I'm not forcing you to buy this product. You're more than welcome to go buy your dozen eggs or your pound of ground beef from somewhere else. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's not like I'm forcing anybody to buy my product. Of course, of course. Of and, course. and so, and so, it, you know, it's. I think, I think that it really stems from a lack of consumer education. Yes. And, and so, a big part of like what we do at the farm is we try to educate our consumers about what, um, you know, not just our production practices and trying to market that right. Like, I mean, we educate them about, you know, the food system. And, and why it's important to buy from us and why it costs what it does. I mean, I've written several blogs about it. I've written yeah. several articles in Edible San Antonio about that very subject. You know, so it, it's it's kind of a, a really a, a naive thing for people to say. You know what I mean? Like, it really why is. does your stuff cost so much? You know? Totally. Because in reality... They just don't know. They just well, honestly, no, they have no look, clue. Look, in reality, it doesn't cost that much. Go, go buy a pound of ground beef right now at H-E-B. You tell me how much it costs. I went into Walmart the other day and ground beef was almost $8. Holy My ground beef is eight bucks. Wow. So it doesn't wow. look so bad anymore, does it? Exactly. Yeah. That's no. a good point. Maybe this will help actually. Yeah, I will. In uh, some uh, ways, right? You no, know, in, in a, you know, look, I, if I could take COVID back, I would, right? Like for everybody's sake and the people that have lost their lives over it, right? Um, but uh, there's no doubt that it's going to help the image of, small local agriculture look there's nothing wrong with looking at the opportunities that have you know arisen from what's happened right that's the reality of things and that's what we have to do um you know there's i'm glad to hear that your business is doing well and that probably other farms as well like i'm i'm happy to hear that right that you guys are thriving during this time uh because i actually thought the complete opposite would happen and i'm really glad that that's not the case you know, the big people that are commodity-based agriculture with that linear process are not doing well. You're right. They are screwed um, right now. I hope, uh, you know, deep down inside of me, I mean, I, I hope that they can figure out a way to overcome it, you know, because I don't want to see farm loss necessarily. Right? Absolutely. All those people out of work, too, at the packing uh, places. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I cannot imagine um, – you know, the, these farms that have 10,000 pigs that are having to go out and euthanize all their pigs. Oh my God. Yes. I mean, it makes me sick. It makes me sick it. too, man. I, I can't it imagine how it makes you feel. I'm sure they'll, 
you know, that that's the type of stuff that makes people probably commit suicide and stuff, you know. I can't even imagine. I mean, I couldn't do that. Like that's something I, I couldn't I, do it. I couldn't do it. I, I just would I don't yeah. And and if I did have to do it, I, I would not come back to the farm. I just couldn't think about it anymore. Oh my gosh. I mean I could and if that's and I if that's your mentality, right? Like you deal with this. I mean, I can't even imagine yeah. Yes. I mean, for the normal everyday person that doesn't work on a farm, right? Like they, when they see that image, it is. I mean, when I lose one jar- cow. It's jarring. Yeah. When I lose one cow, it makes me feel ill. You know? Oh, I can't even imagine. Absolutely. I can't hunt, man. I mean, I, I'm one of these guys. I grew up in Texas my whole life too. And like, I've been, I've been hunting a few times, right? I've been on lots of land, right? Where you have that friend that goes, come out to my land. And right, so you do that a bunch. And I've done yeah. that a ton of times and whatever. And I've camped and blah, 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 blah. But I just, and I, I can fish though. I guess that's the one thing I can do. I don't mind fishing. <laughs> but when it comes to like, if I got to shoot a deer, I can't do it. I can't shoot the deer. I can't, I can't yeah. cut them open. I can't, I can't do it. I mean, I just not in me. Like, I just that's can't okay. do it. I, I don't know. This is something in me that just won't, like, if I had to kill all my, I think that's the majority of human beings, to be honest. Like, if we had to kill, right, if we had to kill our own meat, like, we would all be fucking vegetarians. (laughs) Like, there's no doubt about it. Uh, Because I'd be like, well, Well, not killing that. I guess we're eating potatoes again. Um, You know, this is a great question that I have for you, Travis, real quick. I don't don't mean to rabbit trail, but. I just have to ask you before I forget, because I asked Jordan this question, Jordan Green, oh, yeah. and he gave me a great answer that I didn't even think about. Um, you know, when people say the word vegan, right, that's a hot, hot term, right, that, that people, throw, it's a lifestyle, right? Um, you know, I always had this idea that less animals are killed being a vegan, right? But after talking with Jordan, he's like, well, there's this whole thing that a lot of other animals do die by growing all these plants and and uh you know crops and whatever uh, because vegan uses things like no kill right like this look at this thing we we just made no kill no animals died for that but the truth is probably animals did die to get that made right like i don't know what do you think about veganism like what's your whole i know you have an opinion on it. oh yeah we all have <laughs> you're like oh yeah <laughs> We all have an opinion on everything. Whether well, we that's true. That's a, that's a good point. Um, you know, what's really interesting, um, I'll just throw it this way, right? Like, Jordan was absolutely, I mean, you know, him and, him and I are on par with a lot of things. I mean, that's why we get along. Um, but, uh, you know, the, that, that linear uh, production system of agriculture, you know, growing a thousand acres of corn. Um, you know, if, if you think no animals were harmed, you're, you're, uh, pretty naive, you know, um, imagine the life that could be there if it was a native prairie or a forest. Honestly, I'm, I'm that, yeah. I'm that naive guy because yeah. that's how my so, mind works. Right. Like yeah. I don't even well, think we've been it. trained. Well, you, we've all been trained to think that way. Right. Yeah. Like, nothing wrong with you know what what's going on around us i mean we're very conditioned especially in our country that's true um but uh you know what's really interesting is when when we have had and and any and 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 really in the past few weeks i've had several emails of people who were either vegan or vegetarians email me and say i read about what y'all do 
and how y'all work with nature and use this regenerative agriculture stuff to grow these animals. And they were like, my body like was just not healthy. This is, and this is sort of summarize their emails. And I've, I've had like three of these in the past month. And, and they all say your meat was the first that I've had in a decade or more. Right. One, one lady was 30 years had not eaten meat. Wow. Tried ours, tried ours after 30 years of being vegan and just couldn't believe how good she felt and how, how proud she was to have sourced it from a place that, you know, followed her principles and her ethics, you know? And so, you know, I think there's, I mean, beyond meat is a great example of of what you're talking about right like it's it's this uh you know we're gonna save the planet climate change because you're all going to be eating vegan burgers from water crazy totally it is is, are you you editing the podcast yeah it's fucking nuts (laughs) it really is it's 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 nuts because uh it's all based from these these massively produced uh ingredients including corn and soybeans which are probably two of the most destructive things on this planet like if if you want to really really point your finger at destructive things on this planet that are like really at odds with nature and and the way the planet should work right um you know you could you could look at uh, the the fossil fuel industry right but hey i drive a car i mean we have you know we all do shit right oh. so i can't knock something that i use right <laughs> totally. or, or i'd be you know i'd look pretty stupid to yeah <laughs> um but you know the, the 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 industrial agricultural system that has been around for about 50 60 years now is a very destructive force on this planet and, uh, you know, that, that beyond meat burger is way worse than feedlot beef. Probably. I, I agree with that. Plus it's got all these chemicals in it too, right? Yeah. If you look at the studies that are, that are coming out on that stuff. And I mean, look, if you want to go eat a burger, that's truly conscious, go get a grass fed, you know, regenerative hamburger. I mean, you know, and that's, that's something that is going to, you know, save the planet if we can do that again. i i agree with that like i mean it's just it's just, it's just a how much ke- how many chemicals are in like every oh, time i God. see ve- every time i see vegan products right if you look at the packaging or this right. or that it's got all kinds of weird shit i can't pronounce it's like why would i eat this like yeah. I, I don't get it um i but i but this i will well, say is flawed. i mean that's why but i i agree but this is but what anyway, i will say I mean, about <laughs> vegans right but but a lot of times the vegan like this is what I agree with them on that they don't like the way that a lot of these animals are being killed. It's like I agree with you, right? Like I, uh, it's like a thousand percent agree with you. So why not use that your buying power as a as a consumer? Use use your dollar to vote for something good. Yes. Right, like purchasing from a farm that practices regenerative agriculture. Absolutely. Instead of buying Beyond Meat. That's I mean, we we can't. We I mean, we really can't move forward you know be okay let's say someone says okay well we shouldn't kill any animals even if we raise them right 
right? We shouldn't be eating any of that stuff. It's like, well, we can't just live off these weird vegetables. Like, isn't, I read this study once in uh, about the UK um, that they said that actually sustainable crops, like it would actually take up more land and be more destructive to the climate to feed everybody than if we were to use livestock and, and meat and all this. I found that very interesting. Yeah. So is well, that, per, is well, that kind of true? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and look, animals produce in a regenerative manner, you know, on grass managed well, I mean, can actually sequester carbon. It's carbon negative, you know? Oh, wow. So, so wow. you know, not only, not only is it healthier for us, right. But it's also, going to save the climate you know that's great that's man so it's it's get out there beyond it's way beyond the 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 normal uh thinking of you know oh well plant-based uh agriculture is gonna you know reduce all the co2 that's literally what the the the, you know i have a lot of look i I mean i'm be honest i live in the city here right in austin i have a lot of friends that are vegan Okay, it's just the reality. It's the reality of it, which I don't care. I, I'm not a vegan. Um, I eat. I just like everything. I mean, it's just how I am. But you know, we basically have the same conversations over and over again. And really, the conversation is that is that no, you know, plant based moving forward is the future, and that's you know we kill. There's no animal kills, and there's no. I think there's a lot of vegans that don't understand that growing all these crops kills a lot of animals. I I honestly believe that they don't even think about they don't even know that because honestly before I had the podcast with Jordan Green that never occurred to me that's not any well look I think I I think the people that think about veganism and and their hearts in the right place man I'm telling you their hearts in the right place for sure but I think there's a severe like nature deficit going on there like they're disconnected from the natural world in some form or fashion, like and how it functions, right? That's interesting. Like wow. animals are part of this planet, you I know, agree. just like I agree. we are. I agree. I mean, I just, I, I you know, I, I just, I don't understand it entirely, right? Because I'm not vegan, and and, but um, yeah, man, I, I think we made our point pretty clear. I think so too, man. Look, I, I think a lot of vegans at the end of the day what the majority of them care the most and i'm not talking about the fringe ones that like you know whatever yeah you don't even talk to talk about them they're not included the average everyday vegan is really has their heart in the right place and just cares about animals doesn't want to see animals killed you know the way that they get killed in these factory farming and i can respect that right i think we get a lot of people can get behind that so yeah, I think well, I, I think that's just the deal. I think it's all just a balanced diet. I think another thing too is just portions and people also assume every meal I need to have meat. It's like that's not the case. You don't yeah. have to have no, I mean, half of half of our diets are vegetarian or vegan yeah. to be honest with you, right? Like a lot of and, times. And look, who would not want to get behind a better type of agriculture? You'd have to be a fool. I agree. You'd have to I be agree. a fool not to. I agree. But you know what? There are lots of fools, dog. So I mean, I, I, I <laughs> we, we we say that right, like who wouldn't get behind it? But you'd be surprised. No, I know, I know. You know I mean, I, I how many that. people that just wouldn't? They well, find a way, right? There's a lobbyist group, or right, or something that there's a find a way to to get behind it. Anything that gets in the way of money, usually yeah. people, uh, you know, have a hard time with. Um, yeah. Hang on, Travis. I got another couple questions, real quick, man. I know you got to go. No, um, you're fine. You're fine. Um, this is just something I really want. Okay, let's see here. Okay. 
if you had to name the top three things facing farmers moving forward from today, what would it be? Oh, wow. <sighs> I don't know, like politics, you know, yeah, yeah, red no, tape. No, yeah, I don't know. It's a, good, it's, a, it's a good question. I'm just trying to, and then I can answer it easily. I'm just trying to think of what I would. Sure, sure. Um, you know, I think, I think probably one of the top things um, facing farmers in particularly our country, right? I, I would say number one is the, the, the entry level. Um, I, I don't know how to say it right, but like the, 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 to enter the, the, the profession right and enter the marketplace is pretty daunting the the capital typically required to um do it right you know Got a it. lot of people a lot of people think like oh well, i can start with my front yard like growing vegetables and there's a lot of people that do that right but don't think that you're gonna like um pay yourself a salary or, or be able to survive on that salary that you totally yeah. by growing a, a vegetable garden in your front yard and selling the vegetables. Like it may pay for itself and give you a little, you know, pocket change. But the, the reality is, you know, you need to be um, producing a pretty serious revenue, you know, a gross revenue and, and enough to cover, you know, real salaries that pay people real livable wages and yeah. pay their health insurance and all this other shit that's involved. Right. And to really do that right, I mean, it, it's got to be something of scale to a certain extent, right? And and look, that we can all agree that that's not going to happen overnight, right? But the the more capital that you can accumulate and save up coming into the equation, the better off you're going to be. Yeah. Um, too often, I think I see people borrowing money to get that capital. And that's... Uh, a very risky thing to do. It may work and it may not. Yeah. Um, what if you have a bad year uh, sales wise, or what if you have a natural disaster such as drought or a flood Oof. that messes you up? Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and puts a real bad hindrance on your cash flow. Sure. Um, so I think to, you know, for people to get into farming and, and, and is one of the hardest things to do. Right. Um, and probably the best thing that young folks or old can do that want to get back into farming or, or get into it starting out is, is go, you know, get a job with a successful farmer and learn everything you can and make some money and build up a little nest egg, you know? Um, that's smart. Because, uh, you know, and, and number two, of course, you know, you're getting, you know, go, going back to one of our earlier conversation on land prices, that doesn't help, right? Like that, and then that kind of ties in with number one or what I just said there, you know, and, and without any farming experience, you're going to find it hard pressed for somebody to even lease you a place because they don't want to lease it to somebody who they don't know, um, who they think may mess up the land. Yeah, that's um, a good point. So, so you want a little bit of a track record to be able to say, hey, look, I've got some experience, you know, taking care of the land. So that, that way you can at least even go to somebody who's wanting to lease their property and get the lease. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Okay. You know, so 
you know, and then and then going beyond that, I I would say that the the regulatory environment is, uh, you know, look, it's not favorable to small people of any business, right? Like yeah. it's not just farming. Sure. So, you know, what you need to think about is is where you put your farm. You know, is it going to be in the city limits? Is it going to be in a county that's really highly regulated? You know, find a place that's not. Yeah. Um, I agree. You know, get away from the regulatory environment as much as you can. And, you know, if, if there's something that, you know, you don't necessarily agree with, don't be afraid to bend the rules a little bit. You know, I mean, um, we did it getting started and knock on wood, we didn't get caught doing it. Yeah. We, yeah. We, we, we try to follow the rules the best we can now because we are. I mean, look, we, we're a big business now. We got targets pointed at us when you, when you get big, you know, and there's risks involved with that liability and things that we have to, you know, dot our I's and cross our T's. Sure. So, so you know, we follow the rules these days, but boy, getting started, I couldn't imagine trying to follow every single regulatory rule just to get started. I, I wouldn't have been able to do it. Yeah. You know? Same for me, man. People, I'm not telling people to go break the law. No, no, of course not. I'm saying be creative about how you work, how you work within the law, right? Like be creative. Yeah. It's like yeah. be creative about it. You know, yeah. um, you don't have to, uh, you know, raise a hundred thousand broilers to get started. You could raise a thousand and then the state of Texas, you'll fall under a, uh, an exemption you know, where each farm can raise a thousand birds as long as they're sold direct marketed directly to the consumer. Um, it is perfectly legal to process them on the farm as long as you meet the temperature requirements uh, and things like that of safe food handling. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. You know so th- there's ways to work around the, the regulatory environment and be creative and, and, and not put a huge financial burden on yourself by building a state inspected poultry processing facility immediately, because that's what you think you need to do to make a living, you know, um, start out small, work another job, work two jobs if you have to, and just get started, you know, um, you know, I don't really have a number three. I would say those two are the biggest things. If there is a number three, it's going to be climate change. I really think it's a real force to be reckoned with, especially like here in the Southwest where we live, you know, we're in, I mean, look, we're on the border of the Chihuahua desert over here. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's only a hundred miles due West of us. Right. And, uh, there's no doubt that desertification is, is encroaching upon us. I mean, we're getting less and less rain than there was 20 years ago. Yeah. It's more sporadic and things like that, you know, and when you're in the grass fed beef business, that doesn't make life very easy. Oh, I can't imagine. Oh my God. Yes. Um, you know, or if you're a vegetable farmer and it never wants to rain for you because you can't, you, you can pump all the irrigation water you want from under the ground to your vegetables, but it doesn't respond like a good rain does. Yeah. Any, any farmer will attest to that, you know? So, I mean, that, that would be number three is, is how to um, define ourselves in the era of climate change. You know, and, and yeah. how we're going to survive as, as farmers and, and be able to be flexible enough to overcome those obstacles, you know, and, and you better be thinking about it. Yeah. Farmers have a yeah, lot I, of, I, you know, big part of it, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I mean, a good example, like, of what we do is, you know, how do we make ourselves more resilient, our landscape, right? Like, how do we improve the soil structure so that it holds more water when it does actually rain? 
Ah, that's smart. Yeah. See, that's I wouldn't even have thought of stuff like that. Is that like in? I mean, I'm I'm just guessing. An educational guess would be some sort of rocks mixed in or something to help absorb. Oh, you know, like has made that up. Maintaining grass cover, <laughs> maintaining grass cover as much ah, as possible. Good okay. living root structure below the ground. Got it. So it soaks up into that. Yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Okay. That exactly. Makes sense. You know, like that. You got to be thinking long term with that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Of course. And you know, long term management strategies. Yeah. Long-term management strategies. Oh, look at that. That's a, that's a big, <laughs> big words there. <laughs> I love it. Okay, this will be my final question, Travis. Um, oh, this is this is interesting. We, we sort of touched it, but um, let's let's sort of end on this. So, let's say, okay. You, what would you say to someone who has never bought food from a farm to convince them to start? So this has nothing to do with price. Has nothing, no. right? They're just like, why should I buy from you? You know, um, if, if I can meet somebody face to face, right? I think I can convince them to buy my food. Just because I'm having a genuine conversation person to person and in, in our food system that we have right now, there is no connection to the farmers. Yes. Okay. But if I can have a connection with that consumer in one way or another, or my delivery drivers that also work here on the farm, right? Um, I think we can just have a real basic conversation about what we do on our farm, how it's just a little bit different, how it tastes different. And, and I'll bet you they'll buy my food. Yeah, I believe if they that. Won't buy it. If they won't buy it, a lot of times I'll give it to them, just to try. I'll say, Ooh. You know, hey, look, yeah, try this, and if you don't like it, that's fine. But I yeah. bet you come back. <laughs> There's no way nobody's gonna like it, right? It's like, There's no way. Melts There's in no your way. mouth, butter, yeah. right? Like, yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of it too is uh, the health properties. That's that's a benefit I tell people. I say, look you'll eat healthier. So long-term your health will be better. You're going to save a ton of money uh, down the road, you know, that you just invest in this. You're, you're, you're going to spend the money somewhere. So just put it into the food, right? It's what you eat. It's literally what fuels your body. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you, but I think most consumers though, they don't uh, give up rats. Yeah, fuck, right. They don't. <laughs> you're right. They don't. If, if, if you go, if you go down that rabbit hole, that it just won't go anywhere. Yeah, right. <laughs> you gotta you gotta connect with them on like a real personal level as a, as a human to human interaction saying look this is what i do this is how we produce it you make the decision ultimately whether you want to buy it and you think it's better for you or healthier for you i mean and, and you know, look if they come at me with a health comment i can i can spit out some science of course how I'm my sure. eggs are 600 percent higher in omegas or some shit right like but that usually never does the trick. It's just building that relationship with that person. And all it takes is just one, one conversation, either over the phone or an email or in person and, and make that connection and, and, you know, build a little trust, you know, it's about trust, right? Yeah, it really is. It's about, you know, that, that relationship and having trust in one another. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I think also too. Oh, excuse me. That like the supply chain being shorter, 
Right. Sure. It's like, this is the, like, listen, I just packed your meat. Like it's me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I love that idea. That's why I like local and supporting local because it's like, this is where I get it from. And, yeah. and yeah, I, I like knowing that. Um, okay. Travel well, man, dude, I've, I could talk to you for hours, bro. This is how it was with Jordan. I had a million questions for him. Um, I just really appreciate you taking the time, man. Um, you know, I know you're, you're working hard, you're out there kicking ass, uh, you know, and, and doing a lot for this industry, man. And I'm just, you know, much, I can't tell you how much respect I have for you, man, and everything you're doing. You. And, you know, I can't, I, I wish you so much success moving forward with everything you're doing and getting people behind the message. And uh, it's definitely a message I'm starting, you know, I'm going to start spreading to people too, this regenerative, I'm going to look into it even more. Um, you know, so yeah, I, I mean, look, I'm all about supporting, you know, that, that either way. So, but yeah, man, I just wish you continued success. Absolutely. Um, well, and everything. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It as well, you know, helping, helping spread the word. That's all I want to do, man, is spread the word and get people behind it. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm here to represent the average everyday person, even though I've worked in the food, you know, industry a long time and uh, have a lot of experience with that stuff. I'm still, an, uh, I'm still your, you know, just a normal person who's, who's, you know, represents a lot of, uh, the American population and, you know, I just want to help people make those connections and find the reasons why and help them understand it. Uh, cause I know how I am about things. So I just assume that a lot of people are the same way, just very kind of hesitant. If it doesn't fit conveniently in my life, it's gone. Right. If technology wise, it isn't somehow infused, I'm not using it. Right. So, um, I think that's all it is, man. Just bringing that message to people, getting, getting them to hear from, from people like you personally and, and, you know, yeah. that are on the front lines who are doing this stuff. And, um, yeah, just thank you so much, man, for all the knowledge you dropped on us, man. And just letting us know uh, well, all these things for your, for your audience, you know, just, just realize that I, I'm not the only guy out there doing this, that there's a lot of us and it, it may take a little effort at this point to seek out, you know, your local producer who's using, you know, regenerative agriculture practices or, or just better practices in general. Right. Yeah. But, uh, but I think at the end of the day, you know, from a consumer standpoint, I think you're going to find that it's well worth your, your money and your time to, to do that. And, uh, you know, there's, it, I mean, these days with all the tools that we have at our disposal, it's pretty easy to do. Yeah, I agree. I agree, man. So thank you again, Travis. Uh, you know, again, continue success and all my best to uh, you and your family during this time, yeah. you know, so thank wish you. you guys the best. And um, yeah, man, thank you again. I'll, um, I'll send you an email when this, uh, you know, goes out and everything. I'll send you a link to it and whatnot. But again, man, thank you so yeah, much great. for your time. Enjoy the rest of your day, brother. All right, you too, man. Take all it right. easy. Take it easy, bud. All right. I really hope you enjoyed that podcast as much as I did. If you have any questions for me, please feel free to email the podcast at Patrick at Texas Real um, And don't forget, you can check us out on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, you know, all the different places you can get podcasts. You'll you'll find us on there or you can just go to our website, go to the Lone Star and uh, you can find everything you need there, all the episodes. Um, and you can check us out on YouTube if you want to watch it. You know, we video these, now, you know, on a little webcam here and do the Zoom stuff. And, um, you know, so if you feel like doing it that way, go to the Texas Real Food YouTube channel and you can find it there. 
Uh, make sure to follow uh, Texas Real Food as well on Instagram and Facebook. Subscribe. Um, and if you, you know, are so inclined, please leave us a review anywhere you can. Um, you know, follow us on Spotify or leave a review on Apple Podcast. Uh, that would really help us out uh, as well. So if you support, you know, what we're trying to do here. So thanks again for listening. Really do appreciate it. Um, without you guys, we will, you know, what's the point of doing this? Um, so if you have any suggestions on how we can make the show better, please let us know. All right. Thanks again. Be safe out there. Wash your hands.